I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording Diz Dad's podcast, episode 19. This is the second installment of our irregular series featuring travel agents with the Fairy Tale Journeys Travel Agency. And uh, with us tonight, especially for the first time, we have uh, a woman on the podcast with us. Gentlemen, gentlemen, behave yourselves. Uh, the boss lady herself, Suzanne Hayes, is here. Hey, Suzanne, welcome. Hey, how are y'all? Also with us are uh, Christopher Lindgren, Stouffer on the boards. Hello. James Matheson, Disney freak on the boards. How you doing? Mark Harbison, Captain Oblivious on the boards. Hey, with Suzanne here, does that mean we're not allowed to belch in this podcast? Yes, Mark, no belching. And uh, right, sitting right next to him, I'm sure, is uh, Mark Pratt. Pratt Pack on the boards. Good evening, everybody. This is going to be fun. <laughs> now, uh, tonight, we're going to focus our discussion on the Disney Cruise Line and not only what uh, you can, you know, what you would enjoy about a, a Disney Cruise, because how could it not be a blast? But also what working with a travel agent can help you do in terms of getting the best uh experience and the best value out of uh, booking a Disney cruise. So why don't we start with um, just kind of an overview of what's unique about Disney cruise lines as compared to other cruise lines. Um, I know, uh, Mark Pratt, you you just recently got back from a cruise on the Disney Dream. Uh, Why don't you talk just a little bit about some of the things that are unique about a, a Disney cruise? Well, first and foremost, it's Disney. So you know you're going to get nothing but the best. You're going to get the full Disney experience. Um, as with other cruise ships, uh, Disney doesn't have any gambling on board. It's more family-focused. And so they have a lot of uh, really fun activities uh, geared mostly towards the teens and younger kids. So you have that. And then, like I said, the Disney experience, is, it, it was the most amazing trip I've ever taken in my life. And uh, Stouffer, what what would you add to that? Well, certainly, uh, just thinking about the the new ship, the Disney Dream, and the the ship that's coming next year, the Disney Fantasy, um, you know, there are are so many different things that Disney has to offer, but uh, one of the the best things, I think, and most magical aspects are the fireworks at sea that uh, other cruise lines don't offer. And then specifically back to the Dream and the Fantasy, the, the brand new Aqueduct, um, water raft ride that goes out over the edge of the ship, over over the ocean a little bit, and I mean that's just an incredible option that families have. Okay, anybody else have uh, suggestions of uh, things that that are really unique to the Disney cruise experience as as opposed to other uh, cruise experiences? Uh, how about you, boss lady? What is it that makes a, a Disney cruise so special? Well, this has been our fourth cruise that we've been on. We, um, we've been on three of the Disney Wonder, and then we just got back about three weeks ago from the Disney Dream, and it is oriented towards the kids, but there's so much things that the adults can do, too, so the adults really have just as much fun as the, the kids on the trip, and the, the food is wonderful. Mark, don't you think so? Oh, the restaurants were incredible. Uh, we had some of the most amazing dining experiences um, with the Enchanted Gardens and the, the Royal um, 
you know, the Royal Table they have there, and um, what was the other one, the Animator's Palette. Great restaurants. We did not get to enjoy uh, Palo or Remy, but we did have the other three restaurants, and just phenomenal service and phenomenal food. And, your, you know, your wait staff goes with you to every different restaurant, so they get to know everything about you. So when we get to the table, you know, you have your Pellegrino waiting for you on the table, or you have your Coke waiting for you on the table. Um, but yeah, the food was just amazing. And I think one of the important things, and maybe we spend so much time, you know, because we're all Disney specialists kind of involved in Disney that we forget that it's unique to Disney, but every element of a Disney cruise is part of the show. So it's not just that the food is great, but the food is great and the dining atmosphere is great. It's all a package. It's the experience that goes with it. Um, you know, the, the, um, the magic of the experience of animators palette. And I don't want to give away too much, but it's a little different and it's a little different on each boat, but, uh, it's a unique experience on each boat. The, the, environment itself at the animator's palette changes while you're there. Um, Mark, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Harbison, sorry. Well, it's... uh, Disney really pays attention to the details. Everything they do, uh, as we know from their theme parks, has a story behind it. You know, they're not content just to give you a thrill ride. They, uh, they give you an entire story behind that thrill ride that you experience. And they move that to the cruise as well. It, uh, you know, it's not just uh, a water coaster, but it's the aqueduct for a reason. Because you know, there's a story with Donald and his, uh, his nephews involved. Or uh, you know, I was thinking one big difference is Castaway Key. I know other cruise lines have private islands, uh, but Disney really kind of goes above and beyond with theirs they they make it into a real hideaway the boat can dock there directly uh so you can get on and off as much as you want without having to tender and every little nook and cranny is filled with a corner uh you know with a little story or a little detail that uh just kind of adds a little bit of magic to the vacation and i think that's what disney does better than than anybody else yeah uh james you you had wanted to say something about castaway key yeah, Castaway Key was the great, you know, the story behind it and, you know, um, seeing the crash plane over down on by Serenity Bay and just having all the different areas to be able to go, you know, have the kids go to the clubs and then uh, be able to go with just your wife and have a quiet time down at the beach and have your own barbecue at the barbecue is <laughs> phenomenal. Well, and let's, let's also, you know, the Castaway Key experience is a great experience off of the boat. Um, we, we talked kind of uh, with an overview uh, on the boat itself. Um, I want to kind of talk in pieces here. Let's talk for a minute about the experiences that are unique for children. Um, there's the, the Oceaneers Club and the, and the Oceaneers Lab, which is for the, the younger kids. Um, who, uh, who's had experience with their kids uh, experiencing those kids clubs? Well, I, this past time we went, um, this is Suzanne. Um, both my boys, they really enjoyed this time. Um, on the previous boats, they, um, they... <laughs> we can hear them cheering. <laughs> yeah. They want to go back. They really enjoyed it. Um, they just did a lot of different, um, 
things with the kids this time. And, you know, of course, it was that Disney experience. And um, it was all about Disney. You know, they had the different rooms for the kids. They had um, a Toy Story room. They had a room for um, just labs for the kids to go in and make things. Um, they had... Um, video games, you know, they had a lot of technology this time, I noticed. They also had a neat, um... You have a submarine. Yeah, they had a submarine, um, in there that the kids were able to play on and go inside. But they also had this unique, um, I don't know really what it was, but it was on the floor, um, in there, in the playroom, and... The kids, like, stomped on it, and, you know, it changed colors, and, you know, they the they played games with it, and, you know, it was almost like a video game, but they used their feet, and so they would get all the kids around it, and it was really unique, and, you know, you could tell it was all about Disney, and so my boys really loved that on this trip, plus, you know, they loved that aqueduct. That was the big attraction. Yeah, um, I think, uh, Mark, you mentioned that your kids uh, enjoyed the, the kids' club some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I We cruised on the Disney Wonder uh, a couple years ago, on back when they were still doing the Bahamas cruises. So we haven't experienced the, uh, the upgraded kids' clubs on the Disney Dream yet. But, but um, one point I wanted to add in there was uh, you've got the Disney cast members running the kids' club, and they really did an excellent job. Um my kids did a few of their programs. They had uh, certain, you know, I don't know if, I guess programs is the word for it, or little classes that they did throughout the day scheduled. And they, I knew they did one that was Ratatouille's Cooking School, where they all banded together and made chocolate chip cookies. They did a uh, detective agency run by Stitch, and the characters were popping in, and they had to solve a mystery. Uh, they did a Toy Story army camp with the Green Army guys. So there were all sorts of uh, stuff like that that they did. The, the programs just were were really good, and the, the cast members were really involved. It wasn't just throwing your kid in a room and letting them run on a playground for three hours. You know, they, they were actually involved and, and actively working with the kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a big piece of what makes those Disney Kids Clubs unique. You know, there are there are children's activities on most cruise lines but disney really takes theirs the extra mile and and james you you said that your kids uh you know you almost couldn't pry them out of there no exactly they were they were having so fun so much fun one time we tried to go get them and they have a nice family dinner but they they wouldn't come and since they you know they do such a good job of uh making sure the kids get fed and everything anyways it was kind of nice for my wife and i to go out and have a nice romantic dinner alone without the kids as well and just knowing that they were having fun and would rather be there makes it uh, even more special well let's let's talk let's let's kind of move the conversation then for a minute to you know what opportunities there are for adults on a disney cruise to enjoy while the kids are occupying themselves in the kids club because one of the i think really nice things about the disney cruise experience is that there there is so much for everybody to do um, so your kids can be off enjoying Oceaneers Club, the Oceaneers Lab. Um, there are, are age group appropriate activities for tweens and for teens as well, uh, each with their own, uh, you know, own focus, own experience. But um, there are also 
adults-only activities on Disney cruises. Um, and, and Mark, why don't you talk a little bit about you know, some of the adult-only opportunities on a, a Disney cruise? Well, we just, you know, we really enjoyed the, the pool areas that they had. There's a, a pool that's just for 18 and older. Uh, I actually saw a kid and his mom getting into the pool and had a cast member actually went and asked him to, you know, to go back over to the family pool. Uh, you know, it's, there's, there's not a lot of splashing around and stuff. And there's a guy over there playing the, um, you know, the, the drums and singing the reggae music. And you know, the hot tub was really relaxing. So there's, you know, there's that whole area. And just, you know, being out on the deck up in that area, there's not a lot of kids running around. So that was it was kind of relaxing to be able to go up there and just stretch out and relax and not have to worry about a lot of things. And uh, James, how about you? What were some of the adults-only opportunities that, that you appreciated on your Disney cruise? Um, the main one, you know, that we really partook in was uh, Serenity Bay, you know, at Castaway, Castaway Key, and just being able to, you know, do the day that way. Um, other than that, we didn't. We just did the three-day Bahamas cruise. We didn't get a whole lot of time to go um, to the pool or anything like that. But uh, you know, we spent a lot of the time with the family, enjoying the great shows and stuff like that. All right. Well, we'll talk about the shows in a minute because those are an important kind of everybody together. Uh, I, I did want to make sure that we mentioned, though, that, you know, each of these Disney ships has an entire um, adult entertainment district, uh, multiple kinds of opportunities that are really geared to adults uh, having an opportunity to enjoy themselves. Um, you know, Suzanne, did you get a chance to check out the uh, entertainment district on the on the dream? Uh, no, I sure didn't. Wish I could have. <laughs> oh, so Mark, how about you? What did you What did you discover there? Well, it's actually it's really neat because it's tucked away um, down on deck four, so there's really not a lot of traffic down there. Um, they have four, who's this? Four different clubs. Um, they had one that was like a champagne kind of themed one. They had one that was just kind of a a sports bar, um, and you know that you walk down through there and there's just you know they have a really nice spread with you know nachos and chicken wings i mean the whole bit you just grab a plate and just go and sit at one of the bars and just relax they have um singers there you know live entertainment all the time you know during the evenings and it's just really pleasant nice it's kind of dark so it's you know it's kind of relaxing and just a really nice atmosphere down there and i i think that it's important too to to mention that you know, there's there's the the nightclubs that are adults only, and then there are also two adults only restaurants on on the newer ships. Um, the older ships each have one adults only restaurant. Um, opportunities for uh, you know adults to have a, a quiet meal uh, by themselves in a, a more elegant setting. Um, so you you've got on all the ships they have a version of, of Palo. And then the, the two newer ships also have uh, a French restaurant, Remy. Uh, has anybody eaten at either uh, Remy or Palo? Well, when I was on the Wonder, we did go to the Palo. We didn't get to go um, this time, um, the Dream. But the Palo on the Wonder, oh, it was wonderful. The food was fabulous. So I would definitely try to do that next time. One tip for Paolo, 
I, I understand that the best experience at Palo is brunch, actually, instead of dinner or an early dinner. Because one of the really wonderful things about Palo is that it looks out over the edge of the ship. Uh, and it's just a really beautiful vista the way that the restaurant is set up. And uh, the only complaint I hear from people is that when you go and have a, an evening meal there, you go at dinner, um, you know, sun sets, and then all you get is sort of this you know, dark reflective wall. Uh, it's much, much prettier earlier in the day. And I think people forget about that when they decide, you know, it's going to be a fancy restaurant. Let's go for a, a romantic adult meal. There is a surcharge for the adults only restaurants. Um, and it's uh, $20 uh, for, for Apollo. Uh, I think it's slightly more for Remy. Um, Remy, sorry. <laughs> 75 for Remy. Remy's pricey, but but it is, you know, French fine cuisine. Um, the menu at Remy was done uh, by the chef uh, from Victoria and Alberts. So you know that it's it's the best. Um, and, you know, it is an adult experience. Um, so there's no one under 18 in the restaurant. People are dressed much more formally. And so it's a, a little different experience. Um, Aaron, uh one note on that with the surcharge is that uh, it's one of those few, one of the few surcharges there is on the ship for the activities other than, you know, excursions, but uh, it's a very uh, fancy gourmet meal. And if you're a cheapskate like me, spending 40 bucks for, to take your wife on a date for a gourmet meal is actually a really good deal. Uh, you make a good point. And, and uh, Stouffer, you were mentioning this too, that, uh, you know, you've been on other cruises and, you know, Disney Cruise Lines really does have uh, a different approach when it comes to these sort of add-on and surcharge items. That is true. You know, just about just about everything is included on the Disney Cruise um, itineraries, uh, except for these few little surcharges. Other cruise lines, I mean, they're going to nickel and dime you on a lot of different things. Um, for example, Disney Cruise Line has sodas and snacks and, and so much more that's just included, whereas on some of the other lines, you're going to pay per day. You might buy it in advance and cover the entire cruise so it's, so it's unlimited and you can keep going back, but you're paying for it in advance. Let's let's talk just a minute about Disney's uh, Disney Cruise Lines approach to dining because I think that is unique too among cruise lines. Um, Disney's rotational dining system. Um, each of the Disney uh, ships has three main rotational, what they refer to as rotational dining restaurants. Um, each of those three restaurants is unique, and because of the way that Disney does their um, their their dining system you have the opportunity to experience each of them without having to worry about, you know, making advanced reservations and hoping that there's a, a table at the right restaurant. Um, so why doesn't somebody talk about the experience of, uh, you know, the rotational dining plan as opposed to, to some of the other systems used in other cruise lines? Well, when we went on, um, you know, the Disney Wonder and the Disney Dream, one good thing is that the, the waiters, you know, they go with you to each restaurant. So, say, you know, you're at that animator's palette or palais, they go with you to each one and they find out 
um, you know, like your kids, like what they like. And so when you go the next night, they they already have the stuff out for your kids because they learn what you like and what your kids like. And, um, you know, like, like you said, it's just that Disney experience. Um, our servers this past time, I mean, we just loved them. I mean, they go, they play tricks, you know, they have magic tricks for the kids and, you know, they really go out of their way to make the kids have a wonderful experience, even at dinner time. Yeah, and, and Mark, you were you were talking about, you know, the experience of uh, rotational dining, but the same consistent staff. Yeah, a uh, similar experience. Um, it's Disney does their theming so well with the restaurants, and they have little tricks and surprises in each one, especially on the Dream, that it's really uh, an experience just to go into each different uh each different restaurant just to see what's going to happen next. Um, and so you get the chance to experience just a, a different sort of magic every night in those restaurants. And yet with your servers staying with you, you really develop a relationship with them. Um, it basically took them one night and uh, they just, they had already figured out what our favorite drinks were. They were on the table the next night for dinner um, they were playing brain teasers with us every night to, while we waited for our food and being limited in that capacity, we failed them all, but, uh, we still just had a, a wonderful time and, uh, it was really a great experience. Okay. And, and the last thing I want to talk about with the, the dining is that in addition to these rotational dining experiences, um, uh, if you don't feel like, you know, a formal sit down meal, you don't have to go to a formal sit-down meal. There are other options. Um, there are some sort of quick-serve opportunities. Um, you know, James or Mark uh, Pratt, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the other uh, options if you're not up to or, or not feeling like a, a more formal sit-down meal? I know when you first launch, they have a, a welcome-aboard kind of lunch at um, Cabanas on the Dream. And that was one of the, the biggest buffets I've ever seen. That thing was amazing. And it has everything you're looking for, from vegetarian to, you know, carnivores. It's, it's got everything for you. Um, so you have cabanas, which takes, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the back end of the ship up on deck 11. But then you also have little places. Um, there was Lowe's Cafe, and there's a pizza place, and then there's a sandwich place, Doc's Grill, and then they had a, um, an ice cream place on the other side as well called Frozone Streets that we visited quite often. Um, so there's a, a ton of, of different places to eat, you know, and then you have, you know, all you can drink sodas and whatever. They have the soda machines out there, and you just grab a cup, fill it up, you know, it's all self-serve. Um, you know, it was kind of weird going up and, and just getting something to eat and not having to, you know, use your card or anything like that. You've obviously, you're on the ship, so you've obviously paid your way already. So they know that, <laughs> so it's kind of neat. You just, you want a hamburger, you tell them you want a hamburger, they cook it for you right then and you're off and running. So, um, there's, a, you know, a lot of different places like that to eat all over the ship and it's all included. You know, well, we, when we sit down at our table and they brought us the menus, it's like, you know, I really like 
I really like, you know, the steak, but I, that the pork ribs look really good. And our, our server, Drinka, um, she just said, yeah, I'll just bring you both entrees. <laughs> and that's the way it was. Uh, the the Matt Hawkberg method of uh, cruise dining. He he sits he sits every, down at the table and just has them you know bring him one of each. Yes. Oh, it was like desserts. I mean, you could literally do that if you wanted to. There was um one of one of my one of my clients actually, David Compton. He's one of the disc dads. He was on the cruise with us, and his him and his wife and daughter sat at a table that was fairly close to us. And just kind of as a thank you thing, I had our server bring him and his wife over the Mickey head ice creams on a silver platter to his table. <laughs> so they'll do things like that. I mean, it, it, it was really a neat experience. And don't um, forget about the room service, too. Oh, I'm telling you, we didn't. We had four of those brought to our room. <laughs> You've got 24-hour room service available. Yeah, and, and that's one of those nice things, again... It, it, it's, you know, Disney including all of these opportunities um, as part of your cruise. They're, they're not nickel and diming that afterwards. Um, James, you mentioned that, that you enjoyed the uh, room service on your cruise. Yeah, it was great, especially those late night uh, chocolate chip cookies or just the one day you just wanted to sleep in and not go anywhere and just ordering the BLT right to your room and not having to <laughs> get up and move and actually enjoy the, the relaxation part of the the cruise was great, especially on those days. One day our, our little one wasn't feeling well, so just being able to stick around just made it great. Sure. Um, and one of the other things about Disney that's somewhat unique, at least as far as I know, is that they're one of the few cruise lines that will actually allow you uh, to bring alcohol on board with you um, in in your luggage. Uh, and, and Suzanne, why don't you talk a little bit about that policy? What I understood this past time is that you could take as much water and alcohol that you wanted to that would fit in um, a carry-on suitcase or bag. And so that's what we did. Um, I got, you know, just a big 24-pack of waters and a um, couple of bottles of wine and, you know, their thing is not to overdo it. You know, I think that if you took way too much, they would probably say, you know, hey, you know, that's too much. But as long as you, you know, don't overdo it and bringing too much of it, I think they're fine with it. But, um, you know, I carried mine right on into the port, you know, and had no problem with it. Yeah, you know, I, I've read on some of the other you know, cruise message boards and things about people you know, trying to figure out sneaky ways that they could, you know, smuggle their own booze onto onto the ship. And I, what I like about Disney about this is that, you know, they're just above board with it. And it seems to me to be a, a much more reasonable way to deal with it. All they say is, you know, be reasonable with what you bring on and then... They, you know, it's not a big deal, um, and that that seems to me to be just a much more pleasant approach uh, than you know feeling like you're being held hostage. And again, I think it's about uh, Disney Cruise Lines is a premium experience, and they aren't going to try and nickel and dime you with a, a fee for this and a charge for that. Um, they're upfront about what you what you're ha- going to need to pay extra for, and it's it's a very limited universe of, of things that you pay extra for. Right. Um, also, you know, I was telling you that we, we did take a couple of bottles of wine with us, 
and you can take those bottles of wine to dinner with you but there is a corking fee and I believe it's $15 isn't that right Mark? Uh, yes ma'am I believe it's 15 or $16 something like that is what I read yeah, I, I, I sometimes I think that the main reason for the corkage fee in those situations is is because it's the the waiter or waitress who's missing out on the tip for the amount of that you would spend on that bottle of wine. It's most likely fan, that's true. For them pouring it real fancy for you too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so moving on from from dining, which you know, Diz Dads, it's kind of hard to get us away from uh, talking about food. Uh, and yes, I'm sure there's bacon on board. I can guarantee it. Um, Lots of bacon. <laughs> but uh, moving away from food for a second and, and kind of moving to the the reason for having a, a panel here of, of um, travel agents, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about booking a Disney cruise because I think a lot of people get concerned when when they're looking at a, a Disney cruise because they're conditioned to sort of the rest of the cruise industry's model for pricing cruises, um, which seems to be still like the old airline model, which which was, you know, we'll charge as much as we can get away with for as long as we can get away with and then drop the prices closer and closer to the to the departure date and so people get conditioned to wait for the last minute to book their cruise because they think there's going to be a better deal at the last minute and disney just doesn't work that way um and suzanne do you want to speak to that a little bit yeah that's one thing that i have noticed in a lot of my clients they they don't understand they think that you know the closer you get to the cruise the cheaper it's going to be but it's really, you know, the more it's going to cost. And I have found out recently, especially with this new um, dream that's come out, I've already checked like a year in advance, and the prices are, you know, are very high right now. And so, you know, if people are wanting to book for the dream, and especially the fantasy, which is coming out in 2012, they need to go ahead now and get those reservations booked because, you know, the inside staterooms, and I've noticed the ocean view staterooms, they go fast. And so the only thing that's next available is the verandas. And so, you know, the prices just keep jumping up. So, you know, the earlier they book, the better price that they're going to get. Yeah, the way I've had it explained to me is that Disney Cruise Line's approach is, is what uh, could be termed a, a tiered pricing system. They open, when they first announce the cruises, they're at tier one pricing. And, you know, people start booking their their uh, staterooms. And when a certain proportion of the rooms book under tier one pricing, then that category of rooms kicks up to the next tier, to tier two pricing, which is somewhat higher. The rooms allocated to tier two book up and they kick up to tier three and so on and so forth. And so by and large with Disney Cruise Lines, the, the longer you wait to book, the uh, you know, after the time that cruises are announced, the higher tier you're likely to be booking into. So the pricing is going to be higher. And um, that's that's pretty consistent with what I found because, you know, just this past week I booked you know, one cruise that's set to go in 2013 and another cruise that's going next month. Um, 
and the premium that the folks are paying to travel next month, as opposed to the ones who are booking a year in advance, uh, is is really really noticeable. I've seen the same thing, Aaron. As I uh, as I price things out and and do research for different clients, and you know the the further out, the better the deal. And you know I looked at one for a couple of folks for this coming January, and the price was so astronomical. They said no thanks. But then I looked at one for 2013, and they said, well, you know maybe we can do that. So it it really is important to to book longer, further out on the Disney Cruise Line. And I think it's only fair, too, to mention to people so that they understand, you know, Disney Cruise Lines is a, is a relatively small cruise line. Um, they've only got the four ships. And last I heard, they were still sailing at, uh, they're sailing at over 90% capacity. And what that means is that they don't really have any need to do last-minute discounting because they're full. Um, and what that means, too, is... You know, it's not like booking for Walt Disney World where there's always a promotion going on. There's always free dining or a room discount. Um, with the cruise line, you know, the price is pretty much the price. It's, it's what's there. Um, you're not going to see a whole lot of promotion. As a matter of fact, uh, they even canceled a lot of the sort of traditional promotions, the Florida resident uh you know, the special Florida resident pricing went away there for a while. Uh, they may have announced some new ones. I haven't actually checked back up on that because I don't have any Florida clients right now. But, um, you know, Florida resident pricing went away. Um, there's a very limited number of kids sale free cruises that are just the Mexican Riviera out of Los Angeles. But see, they did and they did that because they're trying to promote that. And with the with the repositioning of the wonder to the West Coast, you know they want to they want to build up that market. Disney Cruise Line has been on the East Coast for for quite a long time now, and having it being home based there now out of L.A., they do want to have that market. So they do have the kids sail free on the Mexican Riviera, and they do have a Canadian re- a resident discount right now on the on the Mexican Riviera cruises. Um, but other cruises, you're right, they just don't have the the discounts. Well, right, and and uh, I <laughs> I just booked a Mexican Riviera today, which is why I noticed it. Um, e- even that kids sail free on the Mexican Riviera is now down to only about four sailings that it still applies to in February and March. That's correct. Um, the January rooms are already booked up. So, um, you know, I guess the point is deciding to sit back and wait for a deal is is probably a mistake. Um, having said that. I did finally find uh, there, there are finally some interesting discounted cabins that are popping up on a cruise-by-cruise basis. Has anybody else noticed these, these, these restricted fare uh, rooms that are opening up? Yeah, I've noticed, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I was um, pricing out one for a client, and it was um, they had some stipulations on it to where it had to be a first-time booking or a new booking, um, but the price was a lot lower than um, if they had already booked. Yeah, there, there seem to be a, a couple of important restrictions. Um, they're, they're category by category, and what they seem to be doing is um, they're, they're restricted fare, so it means that they have to be paid in full at the time of booking, um, you can't pay on them over time, and they don't actually assign a room number until a week before the cruise. 
So you, you won't know exactly where you're going to be until right before the cruise sails. Um, and there's, uh, you, there's, there's different cancellation policies. I, as a matter of fact, I don't believe they're cancelable. So very important to purchase the trip insurance with, uh, with those restricted fare cabins. Um, talking about trip insurance, um, I'm going to kind of change the subject <laughs> Um It's very important to, for the clients to get that trip insurance for um, a Disney cruise. Um, this is just an incident that happened recently with a client of mine. Um, it was a family. Um, it was family of five. They had five staterooms. The father, um, they were going on the Alaskan cruise. And it was the, I think it was the seven-day cruise. Um, they were going over to Vancouver, leaving from Vancouver. And the father got sick at the last minute, I mean, like a week before they left. And he got put in the hospital. And, I mean, it was a large amount of money that they had spent, I mean, just a huge amount y'all can just imagine yeah i can imagine thousands of dollars uh yeah you know it was way up there and so you know i told them you know with this amount of money you know you're spending you need to definitely get the insurance and you know thank goodness they did because we had to cancel their their trip at the last minute you know, of course, she didn't get back everything, but she got back majority of what she, you know, put into it. But if she had not, you know, bought that insurance, she'd have lost everything that she had put in. And the amount that she paid for that cruise, you know, it, it was basically buying a car. And, you know, it would have been awful. So, you know, definitely encourage you know, to buy that trip insurance because you never know what might happen. Um, another time, and this has been recently, I had a friend of mine that was going on the Disney, um, it would have been the Disney Wonder, and it was the same thing the week before. He was fine, healthy. Um, he was around, he's around my age and just didn't feel good one day, went to the doctor the next day. And um, found out that day he had to have open heart surgery. So that's, you know, that's the importance of having that insurance. Um, because if he had not had it, he would have lost everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I know a lot of people feel like, you know, trip insurance is an unnecessary additional expense. And they see it on that, you know, itemized on the on the cruises, especially it looks expensive. But Really, in the context of everything, uh, it, it doesn't make sense, I don't think, uh, to pass on it. I mean, uh, Mark had mentioned a friend on a, another cruise line who'd gone on a cruise and, and had to have surgery. Um, you know, that's something that, that really trip insurance would make a big difference for. Uh, and, you know, an, an emergency appendicitis, he got help with. Uh, Is that my cue? Oh, yes, it was your cue. It got really quiet, like no background noise, so I was concerned <laughs> that we'd cut off again. Sorry. All right, hold on one second. Josh, Josh, that's an edit, Mark. 
<laughs> Josh, throwing some crickets there. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what else. I didn't know what more I could add. I was like, "Yep, got appendicitis. Yep, trip insurance." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So let's talk a little bit more about you know the, the the kinds of things that a travel agent can help you with when when you're booking a cruise because one of the things that can ha- that a, a travel agent can help you with is you know be in your eyes and looking ahead for you um, we're going to be on top of the new cruise date releases those those new itineraries come out and I know that uh, when this last round came out I was instantly sending emails to you know, clients who had expressed interest in Disney cruises in the past, and there were a couple that were really excited. You know, hey, now we can get booked. Uh, Mark Pratt, what, what else as, a, as an agent, what kind of special services can you provide to a client to help them get their cruise booked? Well, depending on what their itinerary is, we can look at excursions for them and see what best fits uh, their budget as well as, uh, you know, their family. Uh, we did the the Bahamas, so we went to Nassau and we did the Aqua Adventure at Atlantis Casino, um, and we we had a blast. So, but there are you know things like that that uh, families with with younger, maybe you know smaller children wouldn't be able to do something like that. So there is a, a you know a kids park there for water parks, but you know depending on how much you want to spend, you might not want to do that. Castaway Cay has a lot of great excursions. We did the snorkeling one. There's a ton of other ones. You know, you can do parasailing, dolphin encounters, uh, the stingray things. There's, you know, you can actually do the scuba diving if you're certified. There's just a ton of things to do. So yeah, and there's you know the casino at Atlantis. You can do that as well. There's just a whole bunch of things to do. So you know, depending on what your your itinerary is. Um, you know, we have a lot of in, kind of inside scoops on which ones are best for you and which ones might fit your family the best. Well, and again, I think the nice thing about, you know, working through that with a travel agent is that you have somebody to kind of help demystify the experience and, and walk you through, you know, what the options are um, so that you're not walking into it blind. Um, if, if I can jump in here sure, for a minute, Sure, sure, please do. Um, you know, one of the things that I tell people that I'm talking with all the time is, you know, they're more than welcome to sit on the internet and try to figure everything out for themselves. But why do they want to? You know, we've got, as you were talking about, we have all of these resources at our fingertips and we can look very easily and quickly and find, you know, the excursion opportunities. We can find all kinds of different things that will benefit and add to their vacation so that it really is a uh, you know, just an easy experience for them so that all they really have to do after they've paid for it is show up. Well, and, and you know, maybe the, the way to wrap up this piece, too, is I, I think some people have a misconception, and we've talked about this at our previous travel agent show, that they can get a better deal if they do this themselves. Um, and the reality is that they're going to pay the same whether they work with a travel agent or if they go direct to Disney because... Somebody makes the commission either way. What you'll notice is that if anybody books a trip directly with Disney, they're they're still not booking the trip directly with Disney Cruise Lines. They're booking it with the Disney Travel Company, and if they're not, uh, you know, and, and Disney Travel Company will make the commission. Um, it's the same commission, and generally, uh, you know, we will provide 
other incentives to encourage you to book uh, through us. Uh, Suzanne, for example. Um, well, you know, we offer um, gift cards and um, we also offer onboard credit, you know, depending on, um, you know, the cruise. Um, but we, we usually do something for, you know, our clients. And that's something that Disney, they're not going to do. You know, they're going to get, like you said, they're going to be charged that rate. But with us, you know, we're going to go out of our way, you know, to either give them onboard credit or a Disney gift card that they can use on board or, you know, while they're at Walt Disney World that otherwise they wouldn't have. Yeah, Mark, Pratt, you know, there are other things that we do too. We, you know, there's there's all sorts of creative things that we can do, you know, along with the gift cards. I gave a couple of my clients lanyards um, with pins to trade while they went to the parks and stuff. So, yeah, we, we offer a lot of things that, that Disney, they're not going to they're not gonna put that out there for you. So And, you know, the personal touch as well. You have one point of contact to where you can dial, you know, me day or night or any of us, you know, and you don't have to worry about, sitting on hold or going through a huge computer queue just to get a hold of somebody. You know, we're right there at the touch of a button. Aaron, if I can just jump in too. Uh, sure, go ahead, Mark. It's planning a cruise for the first time can be an overwhelming experience. And a lot of times there's going to be a thousand questions that you don't even know to ask, um, you know, unless you've been through it before, you know. And I think that's where a travel agent can help as well we know where you need to have your passport or birth certificates for your kids um, the advantages and disadvantages of early seating for dinner versus late seating uh, the different people on the cruise that are going to expect a gratuity um, how to get through Nassau uh, you know without you know being accosted by lots of street vendors everywhere you go where, where you can get you know cab rides that sort of thing there's all sorts of little uh tricks and tips because we've been there before that, that we can help you with. Yeah, I mean, those are all, I think, important points. And, and really the bottom line is that if you book with Disney directly, you're going to have to go to them for everything. You book through a travel agent like those of us uh, with Fairytale Journeys and, you know, we're going to be proactive. We're going to look out for you ahead of time and we're going to reach out to you. And so it's just a different paradigm. And um, at least I think you're just going to get more value um, working with one of us. So d does anybody else have something they wanted to, to add about the, the Disney Cruise Line experience? I would, I would add one more thing. Sure. Um, while we're in port, you know, we, we had a pretty nasty storm come in. And... Um, there was three other ships there while we were in port. One of them was Carnival, and I'm not going to say the name of the one that left, but they pushed out into the storm, and they were under tug for four hours just to get out of port, and they ended up having, I think they said, 13 serious injuries and major damage to the ship. Number one, Disney is looking out for your safety, and um, our, our captain decided to wait it out, which I'm very grateful for because... The seasickness wasn't bad enough, but to be out on the sea in 100 mile per hour winds, which the other ships had to put up with, um, you know, they're really looking out for you and your family. 
So I, I think that's one of the biggest things. Too. Well, and, and let's follow up on that, Mark, because I, I, you raised two big issues that I want to address before we, we close. Um, and one of those is, you know, Disney looking out for you. One thing was the, the captain of your ship being really sensitive to the fact that it would be uncomfortable to be back out on those seas. And so he waited to push off. But but the right. second piece is that it wasn't just that they decided not to push off. You were in a veranda stateroom in that, on that cruise. And right. um, why don't you talk about what happened with your, your veranda and really what Disney did to help make that right with you? Because I, I really feel like that was above and beyond service that you wouldn't find necessarily on another cruise line. It was pretty neat. You know, we had um, we had the extended veranda, so we were on deck five. Um, we had we were on the, the bad side of the ship for the storm, um, and they have the privacy gates in between each veranda where you can open them up if you have an adjoining room. They lost 16 of those gates on our side of the ship alone. And then we had uh, four pieces of plexiglass, you know, for our the railing system for our veranda. And three out of those four got blown out, so we had a huge gaping hole in our veranda that just basically looked down to the ocean. Um, we had one of the engineers from up on the bridge notice this, and he actually came down and personally watched the guys take care of that and fix it for us. And, you know, unfortunately, it was on the third day of our, our trip that they finally got it fixed, so we really didn't get to enjoy the veranda as much as we wanted to, because we wanted to, you know, open the door and listen to the waves at night you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, the, instead of just, you know, sorry, have a nice day kind of thing, they, they did go up above and beyond. They offered us a bottle of champagne, but, you know, we don't drink, so they sent down a bottle of Martinelli's um, on the night, last night of the ship and, um, you know, the Mickey Head ice creams, which we loved. And the guy actually came down and sat with us for about a half an hour watching these guys fix it and just talked with us and great guy. His name was Stuart from um, Scotland. He was, you know, up on the bridge. And um, then they also, they went ahead and refunded our excursions um, for the trouble that we went through, you know, for not being able to enjoy our, our cruise, you know, which personally to me, it, it really, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal, but it wasn't that big of a deal. But Disney made it that big of a deal. You know, they, like I said, they went above and beyond to make it right for us. And, and again, I think that's a good example of the Disney difference, the, the extra customer service that Disney goes that extra mile to make sure that, uh, you know, your experience is an experience of good show, whether it's in a theme park or on a, on a cruise ship. Um, and the other thing you mentioned, and, and I don't think it's a good idea to leave a discussion of cruises without addressing the, the issue of seasickness, because I know that that's at the top of the list of a lot of people's fears about a cruise. So why don't you just kind of go around a little bit and share your best tip for avoiding seasickness on a cruise? Uh, Stouffer, why don't you give us your favorite? Well, you know, really, the cruise industry is is something that... It's not a little tiny boat. You know, I've been on multiple little excursions in the water on, you know, small boats in the past. And every single time I've gotten seasick. But, you know, a cruise ship is built and engineered for those, uh, for those, for the sea, and really. And, you know, the, the, the ballast and the way that it, it rolls, it's in a big storm. Yeah, the ship is going to move, of course. But it's really not something that... 
that people need to fear anymore. And, you know, it, the, the advancements in cruise technology, cruise ship technology is really um, so superior to even 20 years ago. That's true. Um, James, how about you? What's your best tip for, for dealing with seasickness and avoiding seasickness on a cruise? Um, our first one, we, we, we decided to wait till we got on there to see how we went and, uh, take some Dramamine once we finally felt the, um, experiences. Um, it wasn't major or anything like that, but, uh, you know, the second time we thought better and we, we took Dramamine probably about, uh, 24 hours ahead of time before we got down there. So that way the, it already had the effects and we weren't, didn't have any effects with Dramamine and we went, you know, went took it once beforehand never had to deal with the rest of the trip and the waters were actually rougher than our first first uh cruise as well so and uh mark harbison how about you how do you deal with seasickness and avoid seasickness on a cruise well this was a big question for me going into it because i am terribly prone to seasickness um i've been i actually once are you the guy that gets seasickness in the bathtub well uh almost (laughs) It's actually not far. I took my daughter out on a little lake uh, in a state park near our house on a paddle boat, and I got sick, seasick on a paddle boat. That's how bad it is. That's pretty bad. I don't know if I should be admitting that in public. It's too late now. So, um, anyway, that's all right. You're oblivious. <laughs> seasickness was a huge concern for me. And uh, I read up online and got all the tips, and most of the recommendations I read. Um, recommended a drug called Bonine, which is sort of a non-drowsy version of, of Dramamine. And uh, we basically found it just uh, over-the-counter at a drugstore, and they recommended taking it 24 hours before you start the cruise, um, as, as James had said. And we did that and uh, tried to and wanted to see how it worked. Well, on top of that, you know, all my friends have told me, oh, the ship's so big, you'll never even feel the ocean. And if I could have a nickel for every friend who told me that, you know, I'd be a rich man. We got out in the, in the seas, and they were eight-foot swells. You're going to feel that. I don't care how big your boat is. <laughs> uh, we got to the point where we actually could not walk in a straight line down any of the hallways while we were out at sea. And yet... I never got sick once um, anywhere on the on the cruise, and these rough seas persisted. I'd say for the, at least the first 24 hours of the cruise with with high winds, and did not have a problem. So uh, I will swear by by that drug, Bonine, for the rest of my life. It was it was amazing the effect it had. We were able to enjoy the entire cruise, didn't have one problem. Okay, so wait, I, I want to interrupt just a second so we're clear for people, because bonine is similar to Dramamine. They're both uh, antihistamines, essentially, but they're slightly different chemicals. And I mention this because you can get non-drowsy Dramamine now. It's still a different chemical. Um, I happen to be somewhat like Mark. Um, I'm prone to motion sickness and seasickness, and I also swear by bonine. Um, non-drowsy Dramamine does not do the trick for me, but bonine, which is a slightly different chemical compound, makes all the difference in the world. Um, and uh, yes, Suzanne, I see in chat you ask how I know this. I, I know this because um, I am prone to motion sickness and my children like spinny rides. So I had to learn. <laughs> 
because if if they were going to handle if they were going to ride spinny rides, I had to be able to get on with them. And uh, I was able to handle Astro Orbiters just fine, thanks to my Bonine. Uh, okay, and uh, Mark Pratt, what's your best anti-seasickness tip? Go see your doctor. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went to our doctor about a week before we went on our trip. Um, just told him we're going on, going on a cruise. He said, no problem. He wrote us a script for the patch. Um, just a little dime-sized patch. Um, and you don't look goofy because everybody else on the cruise has it too. Um, you put it on about three hours before, uh, you know, you're going to be in heavy weather or anything like that. I should have put it on the moment I stepped on board, but I waited until it was a little too late. Well, no, we should, we should note Mark, before we get too far into this, that you had unusually rough seas at the beginning of your cruise. (laughs) I did. I, I put it on and it took about three hours to settle me down. Um, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning when we were leaving port and yeah, I, I started feeling it bad and I put that patch on and I tell you at eight, nine o'clock I was my friend and I were out on deck um, while everybody else was in bed still um, being sick. So yeah, it works. Um, I, I don't remember what the what the name of it is, but the doctor just writes you a script for it and it works wonders. Yeah, just tell your doctor you want you want the patch because you're going on a cruise. Exactly. And uh, Suzanne, how about you? Any new new tips for us on uh, avoiding seasickness? No, not really. Um, we've had good experiences, so we um, <laughs> we're not prone to seasickness like the rest of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> not like us wimpy boys. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now I only said it was when it was in little tiny ships, you know, out whale watching and such. I never said anything about being sick on a cruise ship. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us today for our, our discussion of the Disney Cruise Line. If you're interested at all in a Disney cruise, I encourage you to contact a Fairy Tale Journeys by Diz Dads. Uh, uh, agent uh, Christopher, uh, I know that you use your own uh, trade name. You want to go ahead and mention that? Certainly, it's Neverland Adventures Travel, um, Fairy Tale Journeys by Christopher Lindgren, and I do have an additional website in addition to the Diz Dad's website and the Fairy Tale Journeys website, and it's NeverlandAdventuresTravel.com. All right, thank you very much. As uh, Stouffer mentions, there's lots of ways to reach us, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Uh, visit our website, disdads.com. Tweet us. We're on Twitter at Dizdads Podcast. Or you can participate in the ongoing discussions in the Disdads subforum of the Disney for Families forum on the disboards.com. If you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it, hop on to iTunes and, and give us a review. It helps make it easier for people to find us when they search. Uh, until next time, this is Aaron Rittmaster with Christopher Lindgren, James Matheson, Mark Harbison, Mark Pratt, Suzanne Hayes. Thanks, everybody. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.